Sup, you beautiful bastards. It's Monday. My name's Philip DeFranco. There's a lot of news that's happened, so let's just jump into it. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about today is this absolutely brutal and horrific attack that happened over the weekend, and I don't care if you don't like the guy. The former Trump attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was viciously attacked over the weekend while he was out in public. And rather than trying to describe what happened, I'm gonna let Rudy Giuliani speak for himself. He talked about this. He, he was outspoken about this attack. And I'll play it on top of the footage we now have of the incident, but I do wanna warn you, like, if you're with children, you might want them to leave the room now. I come out of the bedroom, a group of people are around me, hugging me, kissing me, telling me Andrew's great. And all of a sudden, I feel a shot on my back, like somebody shot me. I, I went forward, but luckily I didn't fall down. Lucky I'm a 78-year-old who's in pretty good shape. Because if I wasn't, I'd have hit the ground and probably cracked my skull. Absolutely vicious. And for the, the three dense people watching, obviously I'm joking. Giuliani obviously over-exaggerating what happened, but also at the same time, it's not okay to touch people. Which is why you had people like Hassan Piker writing, every outlet that covered this as a strike, a hit, a slap is fucking criminal and basically working for Giuliani, by the way. And then sharing the video and saying, this is what every outlet called a strike, punch, or assault yesterday. But also, I will interject, not technically fake news, because that guy that some have called it a slap, some have said it's like a backpack, report said that he was actually charged with second degree assault. Though recent updates say that they were downgraded to misdemeanor charges of assault in the third degree, menacing in the third degree, and harassment in the second degree. And well, of course, with this story, I'd love to know your thoughts. I do want to end on the note of obviously Giuliani is exaggerating like a motherfucker, like he's acting like a soccer player that got touched. But also, probably keep your hands to your fucking self. I get that a lot of people like myself think that Rudy Giuliani is a scumbag, but you would have a different reaction if like someone did this to Nancy Pelosi or an AOC. Though, and while it's anecdotal, I will say it's very interesting that I've seen a number of people who are like up in arms about what happened to Rudy Giuliani here have among other things mocked and dismissed the idea that there was violence on January 6th against all those Capitol Police. Which, quick aside, there's gonna be a surprise January 6th hearing tomorrow. But yeah, main point, keep your hands to your fucking self. Though, I will say there was an incident that happened that I don't blame the person for not keeping their hands to themselves, even though it's illegal and I technically could not say that someone should do this. And before you judge me, let me explain the situation. So you've got 22-year-old Deshaun Brown, who prosecutors allege stabbed his girlfriend to death back in 2020, and then threw her three-year-old son into the Ohio River where he drowned. The body was reportedly never recovered, and all that was found was a stroller and a Paw Patrol blanket with blood on it. So recently, Brown goes to a pretrial hearing for a motion in his murder case, and one of the people there is the son's father, Tonio Hughes. With video then capturing Hughes, rush to the front of the courtroom where the defense table is and just start pummeling Brown in the side of his head. And you see him getting subdued by court officers, but then lunging at Brown again after getting back on his feet, with this resulting in him being removed from court, charged with contempt, and given seven days in jail. And while what he did was wrong in the eyes of the law, if you look on social media, most people have the dad's back here, with many suggesting that the officer should have let him get a few more hits in. But even if you see the people saying that he was in the wrong here, many empathize with the dad. They're saying that they understand it, but he should have just let the justice system handle the punishment. And so with this story, I want to pass the question off to you, because while the situation is unimaginable, I think back to, to something that I said, I think even before I had kids. In a similar situation, as a parent, I don't know how you don't do this. And if I was a betting man, I think that this father understood that what he was doing was technically wrong legally, that he was going to have to pay consequences, but he saw that as a transaction to be able to put hands on this fucking monster. And as a parent, I can't help but understand that. Then, let's talk about the Supreme Court Washington football coach Joseph Kennedy and his relationship with the big G-O-D. Right, because if you don't remember him, he was the guy that lost his job after praying at the end of games. He was hired by Bremerton High School back in 2008, and for years he would kneel at the 50-yard line and pray, with students often joining him, and since it's a public school, it didn't want to look like it was endorsing specific religious views. So in 2015, they asked him to stop. 
he doesn't. And so eventually they put him on paid administrative leave, and then Kennedy's response is to not reapply for a new contract. Instead, he sues the school district and takes the case all the way to the Supreme Court, setting up a legal battle to decide which constitutional principle takes precedence here. Separation of church and state for a government institution, or freedom of expression for an employee of that institution. And to oversimplify for time, the school essentially argued that the public nature of Kennedy's prayers put pressure on the students to join him in saying that he was acting in his capacity as a public employee, not a private citizen. But Kennedy's lawyers argue that such an all-encompassing definition of his job duties would deny him his right to self-expression on school grounds. And as we saw today, the Supreme Court split six to three ruled in favor of Kennedy, saying that the Constitution granted him the right to pray at the 50-yard line at the end of school football game. And this is very notable because it appears that the conservative justices are kind of throwing out 60 years of history. Right? Not only did the court, back when it had a different makeup in 2019, not take this case, the court generally opposed prayer in public schools, at least when it was officially required or part of a formal ceremony. Like the Supreme Court decision in 2000 that ruled that organized prayers led by high school students at football games were unconstitutional. And so now with this ruling, you have some attacking it, saying that it weakens the separation of church and state, though you have some suggesting to use this as a protest method. People saying things like Church of Satan will be holding prayer service at the 50-yard line of your local high school at noon. Thank you, Supreme Court, which I will say it'll be interesting to see if we see anything happen. Are people wondering, are the schools and people that like this decision today, are they going to have the same kind of energy when someone whips out a prayer rug on the 50-yard line? But on the other side, you have the likes of Republican Congress member Ronnie Jackson hailing this as a victory for freedom of religion, as well as Mike Pompeo, Trump's former Secretary of State, adding, I am excited to build on this victory and continue securing our inalienable right to religious freedom. And so with everyone reacting and sounding off here, I'd love to hear from you in those comments down below on this. And then, are you hungry right now? Because if you are, it is the perfect time to bring in today's sponsor of the show, Boxu. By partnering with family businesses and sourcing rare snacks from across the country, Boxu provides a gourmet journey through every month's featured theme. The first Boxu you'll receive is Seasons of Japan, curated by their snack experts to bring you a taste of Japan's four seasons and what a year of Boxu would be like. And after that, you'll receive new theme boxes like this one. This month's theme is Midori Moments, which I will apologize, I might be butchering this, but you absolutely gotta try the Kudamono Kotoba. It reminds me of like a sweet, fancy fruit roll-up, and I snacked on the Lotus Root Chips after for the kind of sweet, savory effect. Oh my god, this is just fucking amazing. And something that's really cool and I appreciate is that each boxu teaches you a few Japanese phrases and comes with a culture guide that takes you through the theme, the origins of the snacks, and details on the flavors. So if you want to try some awesome Japanese snacks and support the show, click that link in the description now and use code DeFranco to get $15 off your first boxu order. Then, with Roe v. Wade being overturned despite a healthy majority of Americans saying that it should be legal all or most of the time, and in fact, 85% saying that it should be legal in at least some circumstances, we saw people voicing their outrage. With that, of course, including all you beautiful bastards being a part of that conversation on the Friday PDS, as well as just so many others over the weekend. We must start right now to be relentless to restore and guarantee all of our rights here in the United States of America. I myself, when I was about 22 or 23 years old, was raped while I was living here in New York City. I had to take a pregnancy test in a public bathroom in Midtown Manhattan. And while I sat there waiting for what the result would be, all I could think was, thank God I have at least a choice. I'm devastated and terrified. And so many women and so many girls are going to die because of this. I wanted to dedicate this next song to the five members of the Supreme Court who have showed us that at the end of the day, they truly don't give a shit about freedom. This court 
has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had. With so many women, including the likes of Taylor Swift, saying they're absolutely terrified and that this decision strips away years of fighting for rights, as well as supporters like Ethan Klein adding forced birth is violence, while calling out the justices responsible for overturning Roe. And since this massive news came down on Friday, we've seen abortion providers canceling appointments out of fear, a surge of demand for abortion pills, and people like AOC proposing that the Biden administration start making moves. Open abortion clinics on federal lands in red states. And while it's well known what Biden won't support, like pushing his party to abolish the filibuster or expand the Supreme Court, you have people waiting to see what he will support as more and more states impose restrictions on abortion rights. And so I want to talk about medication because one, at the very least, you have Biden saying he will fight state efforts to ban the FDA approved abortion pill, which are approved for use for up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. With Attorney General Merrick Garland saying in a statement, the FDA has approved the use of the medication Mifepristone and saying states may not ban it based on disagreements with the FDA's expert judgment. So you should definitely expect to see a massive legal battle play out there. But I also want to talk about medication because too, while I would never tell you what to do, especially on a topic like this where we don't know what's going to be legal or not illegal, I will say that other people have been pointing others to Mayday.health and detailing there if you're concerned about if you can get the abortion pill or not, like if you live in a red state. And again, I, Philip DeFranco, am not saying that this is legally safe and sound, but rather others are noting that you can actually create a mail forwarding address in a blue state using a service like iPostal, Anytime Mailbox, or PostScan, and then just request abortion pills to that forwarding address through a telehealth provider like a Hey Jane, and in five days, your medication would be left at your address in discreet packaging. But if you're like, Phil, that sounds absolutely bonkers, I will say to you, you can fact check what these other people are saying by going to any of the sites I'm mentioning by clicking their links in the description down below. But yeah, very interesting information on something that is definitely going to be one of the big battlegrounds, especially because the majority of abortions in the U.S. as of 2020 are actually medication abortion. Though our numbers actually pale in comparison to some European countries where you actually see numbers around 90% done with pills. But with this, I do want you to understand that if Republicans get their way in these midterms and do a greater degree, in 2024, this is just a stopgap, a temporary fix. Many Republicans have said their version of like what House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said. As encouraging as today's decision is, our work is far from done. With many saying a number of things regarding their next big push, things like restricting the ability to cross state lines for a procedure, even wanting a national ban, even though apparently it was about states' rights. But honestly, I mean, you look at Clarence Thomas, like that's not just an opinion, that is a roadmap for what he wants Republicans to do next. It is all on the table right now. And at the meantime, at the state level, Republicans are moving very quickly to limit abortion access. Just since Friday, as of recording, 16 states have banned abortions, impacting a total of 16 million people. And this situation is really fluid because while more and more states are enacting these bans, there are lots of ongoing legal battles. Hell, just today, trigger laws in Louisiana and Utah were temporarily blocked by judges. But even as litigation plays out, many other states are also moving forward with restrictions. Reportedly, five additional states have pre-row laws banning abortion, which could potentially be applied now. Though, there are disagreements among legal experts over whether those laws are enforceable. With some of the states that have these policies currently being under leadership of Democratic governors, who are already working to ensure that they do not go into effect. Meanwhile, other states that had laws that were blocked by courts for violating Roe can now move to enact them. And already, Republican leaders in some states, including Ohio, Alabama and South Carolina are moving quickly to get those orders lifted. We're also seeing a lot of new Republican legislation being proposed. This, including the governor of Virginia, who just hours after Roe was overturned, said that he would propose a 15-week abortion ban. You've also got governors in Montana, West Virginia, and Nebraska saying that they're talking to the state legislatures about next steps. Other leaders have even announced or are at least considering convening special sessions of their state legislatures, most of which have already adjourned for the year, but they just want to impose new abortion restrictions or overturn protections ASAP. Meanwhile, on the other side, we're seeing plenty of leaders working to protect abortion. This including dozens of prosecutors in blue cities and states, 
signing a statement saying they won't prosecute abortion providers or patients, as well as leaders trying to turn their states into safe havens. Like on Friday, for example, we saw the governors of California, Oregon, and Washington announce a joint pact to protect patients and providers from other states with restrictive laws, as well as refuse to cooperate with extradition requests or investigations from other states. But also, an important thing to note is that a number of these things could change in the coming months because we have the midterms coming up. And, you know, with everything that we're seeing at the state level following the overturning of Roe, it could change election results. Which, I will say, prior to Friday's announcement, seems very much in favor for Republicans. For example, the AP found that more than 1 million voters across 43 states switched to the Republican Party over the past year, while 630,000 became Democrats. That should absolutely frighten Democrats. And reportedly, this is happening in red states and blue states, with notably well-educated swing voters who had voted for Trump, then voted against, now seemingly going back in favor of the Republicans. But does everything that we're seeing now raise alarm bells for Democrats to actually get out and vote again? And I will say, with that, it's not a completely universal situation. Right? We've seen some angry at the Democrats that are trying to use this as a fundraising opportunity. Seen a text message from Joe Biden's campaign yesterday saying that the Supreme Court had overturned Roe versus Wade, and that it was my responsibility to then rush $15 to the Democratic National Party. Um, and I thought that was absolutely outrageous because my rights should not be a fundraising point for them um, or a campaigning point. Uh, they have had multiple opportunities to codify Roe into law over the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they haven't done it. And if they're going to keep campaigning on this point, they should actually do something about it. But they also sounding off in this video writing, if you're a lawmaker who, in the time between the leak and ruling, spent more manpower on a fundraising plan than a policy response, then I highly recommend rethinking your priorities. Our job right now is to protect people. Doing so will drive the vote more than browbeating. But also, at the same time, according to polling, it does appear that Roe v. Wade being overturned is something that's going to get Democrats to actually show up. With a CBS News YouGov poll finding that 50% of Democrats were more likely to vote based on the Roe ruling, well, only 20% of Republicans said the same. And at an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll, 78% of Democrats said the court's decision makes them more likely to vote this fall. But what people say and what people do don't always add up. So ultimately, we'll have to wait to see what happens in the midterms. But in the meantime, of course, I'd love to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with everything that's happening right now? But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. And if you haven't already jumped in, I'd love to see you in those comments down below. Of course, you might even be a part of the show. Also, if you need more news, I got you covered right here. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.